right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to an off-season edition of the Busted Header Podcast. I am Chris, a.k.a. Not the Fake Webby, and I'm joined, as always, by Hal Bridius, a.k.a. Hal, a.k.a. Jake. Got a good one for you today, by which I mean we're not doing the normal shit, which is good. <laughs> by which he means Jake had a great idea, well, great as uh, relative. Hey, you said it, He had an idea for me. the pod. And great he wants ideas. <laughs> That's where they come from, this guy. I need more alcohol for this. <laughs> I should have grabbed straight whiskey instead of this water. All right, Jake, what are we doing today? We are doing a team needs draft. Uh, so we will uh, go back and forth selecting uh, the highest priority things we think the team needs. Uh, whether that's, for example, shooting or something on defense or like... Trying to be a little granular here, uh, and then hopefully we'll take that team needs list and uh, that we come up with, and then next pod we'll know uh, we've got the lottery coming up this Tuesday. This will be going out probably Thursday night on the uh, the twelfth. So in a, just a couple days we'll know uh, what the lottery looks like, but we'll use the team needs chart maybe to put together a big board for the team. And maybe we'll do the same thing in free agency if I like remember to write this down. <laughs> uh, unlikely then. <laughs> yeah, it's that, that's actually very implausible. Uh, all right, uh, you got anything you want to go over before we start the team needs draft? Not particularly. We got lottery coming up next week, so we'll be back to a little more um, scheduled programming. Are you going to be around <laughs> that Tuesday? Perchance. <laughs> Perchance. We'll this is what I get. This is what I get for for my podcast co-host. I, I, I can maybe I can maybe squeeze. I could schedule you in for a <laughs> I could schedule you in? Okay. Uh, any Anything about the, the playoffs or, or uh, you know, anything you want to go over quick? Everyone keeps saying that the Bucks Celtics, the winner of that, is going to go and win the championship. I don't, I'm not entirely sold. I'm going to be honest. I think the Bucks are very good. And I think the Celtics are very good. But people are like, oh, it's a shoe in Whoever wins that wins. And I'm like, the Suns are still extremely good. The Warriors are pretty damn good. And the Heat are pretty good. I wonder how many people like, are just like assuming that the Bucks are going to get Middleton back. Because yeah, like this is a good really one. good series. Like the, the Celtics are really good at stopping Giannis. So they might have it. But like if Middleton comes back, like the Bucks are a different team definitely a better one and like i'm not sure the bucks without him have like enough firepower to go past uh either phoenix or golden state who i'm assuming are going to be the the guys dallas would be an interesting one but i don't i don't see dallas making it all the way there but no they're not gonna make it because uh, right, right now uh, uh milwaukee is averaging less than 100 points offensive rating which is just mm-hmm. like abysmal uh, and that's a big credit to Boston, but it's also because they can't create shit in the half court. Yeah. And Giannis is just going superhuman as well to kind of help uh, stave off with Middleton. But, I don't know. I, I am a closet Heat fan, and I've been very happy with how they've done with what I feel is still like a very odd team. It's such a weird like roster. I can't believe so that like, they signed up for that much Kyle Lowry. It is literally just like... Heat culture just powering through with like PJ Tucker and Max Strauss, and it's just it's weird. Struess, 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 Strauss. Come on, 
uh, yeah, Jimmy Butler has been awesome. Jimmy Butler mm-hmm. is that dude. All right. Um, anything else before we get in the draft? Nope. Okay. Take us away. So I, with the first pick. Uh, he chose himself. It's not like we did a coin flip. Jake's like, I'm taking the first pick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because this whatever. is really important. It's the most important thing that the team needs right now, and it's luck. <laughs> they need a shit ton of luck. <laughs> <laughs> Boo this man! <laughs> Boo! But like all of our teams need more luck. It, it's true. I blame but you. like not just like lottery luck, but like you need they this team so needs we got some lottery luck. Some lottery luck. They need like way more injury luck than they've had. They need some like really like out of uh I don't want to say out of um I was gonna say like some out of pocket development luck. Like just somebody <laughs> somebody making it but like less less like uh a big leap from somebody just like they need to get like good healthy off seasons that continually make progress. And like, they just need this to be a good year. Last year was like a very unlucky year. They spent all of it on Cade Cunningham. <laughs> like they <laughs> yeah. drafted Cade and Cade immediately Worthy. gets hurt. Uh, Killian spends Worthy most of the season hurt. Uh, Jeremy Grant spends most of the season hurt. Uh, we have all sorts of like issues last year. And, like, those issues aren't going away, but, like, if we could distribute those issues to, like, people who aren't Cade Cunningham and or the next, like, hopefully top three pick that the Pistons get this year, that would be great. <laughs> and if maybe a little yeah. a bit of that luck could go to Killian Hayes this summer, you know, just, just to, I'm just saying, a little bit of luck would go a long way. A little bit of luck, a little bit of training. All right. Your first team need. See, I was doing this very seriously, and I'm like, all right, listing all the... The rest of these the are, are more serious. <laughs> so I'm going to follow with your lead and do what I did on Twitter and say, we need a damn rebrand. We're getting a rebrand. I, I, Stop I, I, it. We're, we're getting the deal. We're getting I the rebrand. I want a full... I want, all, I want to throw everything out. I want a new logo. I want new colors that are unique to either the city or just the team. I want well, you're, new court the, the Pistons are one of the I want OG blue, red, red, white, and I blue teams. That. You're not going to get rid of that. We're getting the teal back. So you're already getting like a major rebrand, which means we're going to get a teal court, right? We got the blue, the blue we're get 313 it for like court. Once a month. So, no. They rode that 313 court all the time. So you're going to get a bunch of new stuff. Like, you're not getting a logo rebrand, but I think we're going to get like retro gear. So, like, I think you're already getting that. <laughs> I would say the retro gear, this is going to be a weird tangent, but the retro gear that I like the most is the combination motor pony, but with the blue and red. There was a quick little stretch where that logo is used, and I love it, where it's like yeah, I, motor I, pony I like with the, the basketball. I like the motor, I like motor horsey better than I like teal. And the yeah, red 100%. and blue motor horsey jerseys are better than the teal ones. Yeah. The red one especially is hot shit. <laughs> all right. All right does all does that mean I have to start this? Okay. Yes. Uh, I tossed it back to you. My my number one team need is rim pressure. I don't care if it comes off the dribble or comes as a roll threat. The team like has a dramatic dearth of like any ability to get to the rim outside of Cade Cunningham right now. And uh, it doesn't matter what position it comes in or what form it comes in. Uh, they just need dramatically more rim pressure. I mean, yeah, I <laughs> I cannot disagree with that. Uh, it obviously depends. 
it depends a little bit on what we do this offseason. If we keep, uh, uh, if we keep, wow, I'm just losing my brain here. If we keep Marvin Bagley, then I think this becomes less of a concern because he'll factor in a little bit of that. You hope his continued development will play into that a little bit. Um, See, and so. Bagley to me doesn't even count like, uh, like the way you get like a like. Let's say they they were to draft like Paolo Bancaro, right? And you'd have Paolo like at, not as a role threat, just like a lob threat, but like can catch on the move and create some stuff. Like the way Giannis is a role threat, right? Like Giannis, yeah. like he he doesn't necessarily have to do it from an isolation or in a pick and roll as the ball handler, but like. We had we can get some role threats, uh, and spoiler alert that is somewhere on my list is like more role threat whether you keep it uh, as Bagley or not. But like, you need somebody who can intentionally create rim pressure for themselves, uh, and that's something that like Bagley can't do. Right, he's not gonna really like he might be able to face you up a little bit, but not you know, not in the way that like is going to lead to kickouts and like generate offense for you uh and the the pistons don't just need play finishing they need the guy who can create his own rim pressure so that's my number number one real pick in, in this draft yeah what's what was I mean, what's number one for you so i feel like all teams could definitely use rim pressure that's something that i feel like is pretty a pretty generic term. it's a generic rim pressure. it's a generic team need because it happens to be the like most valuable commodity in the nba so yeah yeah it's like we also need three and D guys. I'm not. <laughs> I don't think anyone can disagree with that. Um, I went a little similar, but a little bit of a variation off that, which is the thing that I want most uh, for the Pistons is kind of a, a a true like stretch big, someone that can play a pick and pop alongside a Cade Cunningham, a Killian Hayes, who can open up the paint for when they want to go isolation, um, who could still you know get rebounds and also like uh, defend the paint a little bit. I'm looking for a bigger Jeremy Grant. Because I think that's kind of the role that Jeremy plays a little bit at the moment where he's, and to a lesser extent, Kelly when he's in, where it's like kind of the pick-and-pop big who can come out, set screens, and then float out for a three or go to the hole and kind of the versatility that comes with that. Uh, but I think Jeremy is kind of in that role at the moment. I don't think he's in... I don't see him as long-term plans, and I'm just... I'd like to see that picked up in the draft. And like you said, Paolo Banchero is both of our like top choice and as well as I believe Chet could do this and Jabari. Yeah, I think I so, think a lot think, of those guys. There's a lot of different yeah, pop like, threats in this draft. Top of the draft, there's so many different options uh, you know, for that, but I think it's something that alongside a Killian Hayes, a Kate Cunningham, that would be the perfect thing to kinda of help put it all together and make their lives a lot easier. Where right now they've been stuck with, you know, some pretty decent pick and roll guys. I think Bagley and Stewart both kinda of have their own a uh, little game with that, but Stewart is someone that can also. Well, uh, that is that is something he's just really bad at. Sorry, I got some weird noise going on here. <laughs> um, but uh, that's just something that for me, in when I look at like successful NBA teams, right now I feel like a lot of it is with uh, kind of that dominant big man mm-hmm. or someone who can at least hold their own in the post. Uh, but that's something where I kind of see it. Start to it'll start zagging back in the other direction. I think the NBA is very much a zig and a zag game. <laughs> and it kind of zigged a little bit before, where it all of a sudden became that shooting, you know, big guy. And then it, with like the Draymond, and then it's kind of going back to like an Aiton, Jokic, Embiid, where it's you want a big, big man. 
And now I think it'll kind of shift back around. So that's where they kind of have a versatile offensive player that can do it all is the most important thing going into the offseason. So ju- are you thinking that. specifically a, p- a pop threat or just like... Yeah, I mean, that's the main thing I want to see out of it. Someone who can pick and pop and can be a threat and make sure to uh, hold the guys defending a Cade Cunningham pick and roll honest. And they can't just, like, sell out on a Cade, you know, dribble drive off the pick and roll. Okay. So, yeah. All right. Uh, with my second pick, then, I'm taking wing stopping. I think it's just, like, one of the biggest holes the Pistons have right now is there's not a single person on this team that you can trust to, like, bother a Tatum or a Durant you know, when Sadiq Bey is, like, your best wing stopper by far, that's a problem. Uh, Jeremy Grant just doesn't cut it. Um, so, yeah, I, I need somebody who can get on the ball and bother a big wing, and if they happen to have some, you know, ability to play off the ball a bit and, you know, get in passing lanes, etc., that's great. But I need somebody who can, you know, uh, get faced up by a, a Kevin Durant or somebody and just not, like, be barbecue chicken. <laughs> well, yeah, I think it's another one where pretty much everyone in the NBA needs that as well. So I think we're still in that, firmly in that category. But yeah, definitely the Pistons right now. It's like Sadiq can do a little bit of that. Jeremy can used to do a little bit of that. He doesn't really do it much he's, anymore. He's never really been the on-ball stopper, though. He was always like a, a no. wing rotation, right? A, a help side guy, a, a guy who gets in passing lanes and like uh, eats up space, right? He eats up a lot of space. He was never the guy who could like take a hit to the chest when LeBron was going to the rim, kind of thing. Uh, mm-hmm. You definitely, I think, you need somebody that's yeah. a little meatier than that. <laughs> well, to be fair, not many people in the NBA can. So, but like, <laughs> you look at you look at the the title teams, right? You're you're gonna have your your Mikael Bridges, right? You have your Jason Tatum's and your uh, your Jalen Browns. You have your Kevin Durant's, your Giannis's. Uh, you know these guys, they're all special special players, right? These are all stars. Uh, even Mikael Bridges is, is like a top three player on a good team. But they all provide one thing, which is they can legitimately match up with a star wing and, you know, and hold their own defensively. Um, you know, and I think that's actually a lot higher value than maybe a lot of people give it credit for. Because uh, yeah. I think if you told no, somebody like uh, that you're, you were prioritizing a uh, like an Isaac Okoro kind of player, right? I think a lot of people would be mad, but like, you need somebody. <laughs> Hopefully, mm-hmm. that somebody has more of a, an offensive package than that. But like, you need somebody who can handle that job. Yep, yep. So kind of like where we were thinking in the trade deadline, going for like a Patrick Williams. Yeah, who sure. could potentially be that guy. He, yeah, Patrick Williams is the guy who needs a lot of uh, work before he becomes that guy, but certainly has the tools. Mm-hmm. All right, your second priority. How, how many of the so how, how many of these were yeah. of my two were your priority? Were like on your list. Um. So I would say they were both, like, in this kind of middle range. They weren't my... T- I, I, Bristol Big was my number one overall need, but these two are probably in, like, the three, four... Okay. Two, like, that kind so of So I'm range. taking so, things off your board. All right. How many are we going for here? As many as you have. All right. We're cooking. Thinking, we're cooking. We only got 15 minutes on this. Come on. I'm thinking we'll go to five. Does that sound good? <laughs> no. That's what I'm aiming for here. God, you you wrote like twenty of these. I already know it. I have. So just, I think my list was thirteen total. So you, you'll take pl- some of them off there. Come on. I had I got twelve. Yeah, All right. See? So my next one. So I think the Pistons. One of the bigger needs that the Pistons have as a whole is shooting. Um, I think no one can really dispute that. 
Once again, it's something that everyone in the NBA needs, but very specifically with the Pistons, kind of the way they're set up, I think shooting is going to be something that's very important. And the part, the specific kind of shooting that I prioritize, I know there's probably be a lot of it, is off-screen shooting, which is going to be needed a lot when you have someone who can dominate the ball, like a Cade Cunningham, and to a lesser extent, a Killian Hayes. So this isn't obviously going to be, I feel like, a top... Like, you're not going to take this with your first-round pick. It could be a good priority in the free agency market, depending on who's available there, kind of finding that guy who can, um, you know, be the off-ball shooter, off-screen shooter, um, kind of just sitting in the corner waiting for the kick-out three on a drive. So, as you could probably tell, I like to base my game a lot around kind of the pick-and-roll. I think we have one of the... eventually going to be one of the premier threats um, (laughs) in Cade Cunningham at that, so that's where I'm kind of basing my team around. Um, but shooting is going to be one of the most important things, but it always is in today's NBA. So yeah, I that's had, something that I think we could use a little bit more of. I had movement shooting at number nine on my board. Uh, and the reason it's oh. the reason it's lower uh, is because I think uh, like movement shooting is actually less valuable in pick-and-roll scenarios because like you generally just need somebody who can like lift, right? Like you're not really coming off screens a lot of times. Maybe you're doing a hammer type thing, but like... You look at like the Mavericks type offense, right? And it's it's your Reggie Bullock shuffling from the break down to the deep corner and then lifting up back to the break again. You know the movement shooting, like the Duncan Robinson type movement shooting, right? Is really mm-hmm. a lot more gonna come from your set plays coming around an elbow uh, post, you know, kind of thing. Um, so, you know, it's certainly I think a really high valuable thing. It's something that Dwayne Casey, you know, uh, the last couple of years every first play he ran was a, a play to get a movement shooter a three, right? That was like his thing yep. until this past season when nobody could hit a movement three. Uh, <laughs> so like definitely had some value. I had some things above it, but like, I, yeah, it, movement shooting is, is something. And unless Frank Jackson really figures it out uh, or the Pistons draft this guy, like uh, there's, we don't have a movement shooter on the team right now. So uh, yeah. maybe Sadiq Bay gets, yeah, say, gets a little bit of that, but I'm going to say Frank Jackson was the, person I put in this like current role um <laughs> you know I'm not the biggest fan of Frank <laughs> I want to see him succeed but I'm not I'm not holding my breath on it all right uh my next pick dribble handoff operators uh it's something that like we saw a little bit from Kelly Olynyk, uh but he wasn't like the most efficient at it we need uh big men who can use DHOs because that's really uh, you see it all the time in the playoffs, especially, right? That's how you get, you force switches a lot easier with DHOs. You get guys easier looks more consistently with DHOs. Uh, you know, you get uh, the, the dribble handoff guy who can pull the dribble handoff and create something out of it, you know, and, and make a an, uh, second read or a third read. You know, the Al Horfords and the, the Bam Adebayos. Uh, you know, it, having a big man um, who can do dribble handoffs just like, completely revolutionizes an offense and adds a lot of fluidity to an offense. So uh, that was the uh, number three thing on my list. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, I think we kind of view that a little bit differently. Um, you put more of a priority in kind of running off the big man. Um, with his with the ball in his hands, I kind of put more out the ball in the the guard's hands all the time. Uh, I just think, yeah, like, you, definitely... you know, you come down, right? You, you come down in transition, you're setting up a half-court, you need to get, you know, if you if you just set up, you you just have your point guard, you know, Cade Cunningham just comes down and sets up a high pick and roll. You don't have a lot of movement 
into that, right? So what you really want to do is have somebody come down, the ball get pitched to the elbow, some people make some cuts, you know, you waste three, four seconds on the clock, and then somebody comes up and starts a DHO, right? And hopefully you've created a mismatch, you know, hopefully that, that DHO, somebody's like, oh shit, Cade's coming to get this ball, you know, I gotta switch on to Cade, and, you know, you create the mismatch, suddenly there's a roll, you know, there's weak side action going on, and if that doesn't work, then you've got probably, you know, somebody in that mess has gotten cross-matched, and then Cade can back it out and do a standard high pick and roll, or, you know, um, or an isolation. But, like, if you don't have a guy who can dribble handoff, you end up with what we saw a lot from the Pistons last year, which is, like, the off-ball action occurs, and then you just automatically set up for the high pick and roll. And you don't end up using that off-ball action to do anything, right? You're not using the gravity. You're just getting the mismatch. And you lose out on those those edge case plays where somebody screws up on the backside and your dribble handoff operator's like, oh, I can make that, you know, that bounce pass to the back door cutter. The Pistons don't have that guy, and that just takes a lot of juice out of your offense when you're forced to use, like, the obvious option in your offense, right? Um, See, I, I think we both kind of with our last two picks, kind of went for, like, the same kind of idea, but with completely different ways of going about it. Because it seems like you want the the big man to encourage, like, the the dribble handoff guy to encourage the off-ball movement around. Whereas I would want someone who's specifically going to be the off-ball guy getting the ball, uh, getting the ball to shoot. Because the way that I look at it right now with the Pistons, like, people are, in my opinion, sagging off on a, on a play like that for a dribble handoff. Because... The shooting just isn't there. We're not intimidating anyone really with many of our shooters. It's not that people so sag off the dribble handoff. It's like Isaiah Stewart doesn't have the vision to make the next play. He just I mean, does. That's he just true doesn't. As well. right? Marvin Bagley doesn't have Kelly would, the vision. Kelly's fine on that role, though. Sorry, what was that? I think when Kelly gets an opportunity, he's fine in that role. Yeah, Kelly. Kelly was fine, but like if my no, if I have to go to problem. Kelly just to get my offense to to move, you know, that's not good. <laughs> I, I want that hey, that's, dribble handoff operation to cover some of the other priorities that we have in the you know in this draft and and be, you know, some you know I, I want that guy to not be a, an eighteen minute a night bench player but somebody I can start you know I I want this is my my you know number five pick here in the needs draft I want this to be a pretty high priority player. Don't disrespect buzzer beater Kelly Olynyk. Gross. <laughs> Gross. I'm still I'm still uncomfortable with the whole Kelly Olenek thing. Everything about it is gross. All right, you have pick number six. Where are you going? So there's a couple different ways that I kind of want to go with this, um, but the one that I'm going to go to is going to be in terms of rim protection, because right now Stu has a little bit of it, but it's kind of hard to be a rim protector when you're still six nine and not the quickest. Uh, he, Stu, I would say, is quick for his size, but there are a lot of times where he just can't make up the ground. So he's nimble. Trying to find some, yeah. Stu, Stu is trying nimble. Find... He's not explosive, right? He doesn't cover a lot of ground, you know, like quickly, right? He he doesn't recover quickly because he doesn't have, you know, the foot speed. But he's really nimble. He's good at pivoting and turning and and reacting. But he's not, right? He doesn't mm-hmm. he doesn't run and, and chase and and cover ground. Yeah. So I want someone who either, you know, from a center position or someone who's going to be an off-ball rim protector, somewhere in there, someone who can do a little bit more paint defense and make us a little more intimidating 
you know, in the lane because I feel like the Pistons. So I'm, I'm going to make you pick here. Are you asking for a drop defender, or are you asking for like a weak side, like a Jaron Jackson type? So weak side. For me personally, like I said, for the Pistons, I think right now, both. <laughs> <laughs> I think they need a lot. <laughs> me personally, I I like it better when it's a weak side guy who can kind of come off. And who's very smart and very aware of kind of when he can come off and help in the post. Because I feel like in today's NBA, kind of the, the drop defender is someone who is repeatedly attacked to the pick and roll. Because people want to get him out and away from the paint. That's not the biggest concern to me. I, I don't want that to be like your main defender. I'd rather have it be the guy who can play off the ball. Or not off the ball. He's, who's not going to be uh, getting put to the pick and roll and can kind of come... Uh, you know, from the wing or somewhere like that, and make a play. Okay, I, I think that's certainly a, a high value. Uh, you know, especially coming from like that four position, right? That that guy who can do yeah, the Giannis exactly. thing, the the rotate over. You've got a, somebody else who's already you know slowed the ball up, and they can make the secondary play. Uh, yep. I guess <laughs> so. For those of you scoring at home, I really want a four that can <laughs> do he, a lot of things. He's really focused on getting <laughs> a one. top three pick. That's that's what that's what yeah. the focus is. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, like. I think compliment that with my next pick, which is I want the drop defender. Uh, I, yeah. you know, I know that uh, um, the drop defense is like what gets picked on in the playoffs. Everyone says that, but like, you need something to eat innings. And you'll notice that all of these playoff teams still have a drop defender on them, and almost all of them get better when they can eat innings with the drop defender. So that when they're going to their switch you know, stuff in the in the crunch time, like, they still have the energy to do it. It's really hard to be the switch team for 48 minutes a night. Um, you know, especially once you start adding in your weak side rim protector and you start adding in, you know, your wing stopper. Having that drop guy to just hoover things up around the rim, you know, especially if, even if it's only, you know, an 18-minute night, that can be a really valuable player. Uh, and it's just like a thing that the Pistons simply do not have. Uh, not even yep. a little bit on the roster. So I want to, <laughs> I want a legitimately good uh, drop defender, somebody who's got legitimate size, you know, actually nimble feet. Um, you know, it, uh, someone who is as you know good as Stu is in the in drop, and I do think he's actually a, a decent drop defender. Uh, I, I would like somebody who's a little better than Isaiah, uh, and certainly somebody who can rotate with Isaiah when necessary. No disagreements here. Like I said, we we definitely decided to go at the same time for the defense. Yeah, and 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 there those are two things right that complement each other, right? The Brook Lopez Giannis pairing is is such an obvious mm-hmm. example, right? Brook, you have a guard, Jaron Jackson, that, Stephen Adams, right? You have guards that drive somebody into the into the drop defender. The drop defender doesn't have to foul because they don't have to make the play on the ball. You've got Giannis making some you know insane rotation. Uh, you know, to, to stop somebody at the rim. So, um, you know, they go hand in hand, right? You really want one yep. if you've got the other. Yep. All right. And the reason I kind of ranked the, you know, the the off-ball defender in that uh, a little bit higher is just I feel like that's a harder skill to find versus... I agree. I feel like there's a, a couple more drop defenders, so that's why. They go hand in hand, but I just... That's the I, way I, I think if you don't have both. the weak side rotation, you're asking your drop defender to be a lot closer to the Gobert side of things than, you know, the the Stephen Adams side, right? You know, you can get away with yeah. a Stephen Adams when you have, 
Uh, you know, you can get away with a Brook Lopez, right? When you have those rotation guys, if you don't, you, you need to be, <laughs> you know, you need to be absolutely elite and be able to move your feet and have the switchability and all that stuff on top of being a drop defender. You have mm-hmm. the eighth pick. Yep. So I am gonna go for a secondary ball handler. Someone, oh, yeah, you just face just dropped. No, no, <laughs> I don't no, know no, 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 no face <laughs> dropping. I'm, I'm editing my list. I am writing these down. Yeah. Oh, you're, you're gonna keep us out. If of I them. find this file again when we do the next, the next pod, it'll be, it'll be amazing. But I am writing these down. <laughs> but anyway, so a secondary ball handler. The way I looked at this is the Pistons right now. There's three guys who are primarily handling the ball. Cade Cunningham, of course, Killian Hayes, of course, and Corey Joseph. Um, I feel like the best way to use them cohesively is, one, uh, if we're going to do uh, Fuck, Mary Kill, <laughs> we're killing Corey Joseph. <laughs> I, I respect Kojo, but he's not someone who I ideally want on a roster, especially when you already have uh, Cade and Killian. Um, so it's just... For me, he's just not it. <laughs> I got to start there. <laughs> I'm just but, waiting to the, get to the point where you end up sleeping with Killian Hayes. That's that's what I'm getting out of this. <laughs> that's the obvious thing. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Have you seen Killian Hayes? He's a very pretty man. <laughs> is, there, is there a question there? Have I mean, you seen no the new tattoo? Answer. Which is just like okay, Killian. I don't know if you, I don't know if you caught that. You got you got you got the sleeve fleshed out with like even more, like just really oh. cliche. There's like a it's like a a Jesus face and a lion face blurring together over top of uh, uh, a crucifixion scene. It's just like, all right, buddy, Jesus, go ham. It's just like someone had so a little cliche. bit too much time on their hands. <laughs> uh, but anyways, so now that we've gotten Kojo out of the way, and whatever happens with Kojo happens, he's obviously I think he's going to be on the team next year. Yeah, he's going to be our third point guard at the very least. What I want is someone who can play alongside both Cade and Killian. Because I feel like, in an ideal world, both of those two are guys who are better as primary ball handlers. They're better starting the offense. They're going to be better, obviously, defending the point guard, I feel like, especially in Killian's case. And this is me kind of hedging my bets in that maybe those two together isn't the perfect pairing in the world. And maybe I'm wrong, and I think it still works out fine if you have this, like, a secondary ball handler who can come off the bench... And you say, Cade, you're going to play the first, the whole first quarter. Killian's going to play nine, eight minutes and come out. Secondary ball handler is going to come in and play alongside both of them and kind of let them rotate between the two if they both turn out to be what we hope they end up being. But just having someone who can play off ball, I think it would be so important for this offense because there's just not a whole lot of off ball playmaking. Like there's, would you say Jeremy is the best off ball playmaker right now? You said the word Obviously, playmaker. Yeah, no, I, I screwed <laughs> up with the ball playmaker. Scorer, but... certainly like yeah. off ball assist generation. No. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, the best off ball ball handler, I guess, is maybe more I was going with that. We, we ended up in very similar places here because my next one is wing pick and roll creation. Uh, I, I okay, want to see yeah. somebody on the wing who can, like, not just, like, attack off the catch, but, like, settle things down, pull the ball out. Like, Jeremy Grant is, like, a decent isolation player, right? But, like, one of his big faults is that he's not actually, like, a great ball handler 
who can navigate over a screen and then get to the rim, right? He really doesn't have that, um, you know, so for all the reasons you were just talking about, you know, pairing with uh, either of the guards or both at the same time, uh, I would really love to see some uh, pick and roll creation uh, out of the, out of, you know, the three of the four, so, some jumbo creator. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I really think all of our answers just kind of fed back to, we want like a big three or a four. That's what we look, want. That's the look, main we, thing we, here. We, uh, this draft has gotten a lot of, a lot of shit, right? It's, oh, it's a bad draft. Yeah. The guys at the top of this draft are very valuable, right? They, very, very good. Uh, you know, all three I, of them. I want to remind a lot of people that like when Jason Tatum, that draft, the going into the draft, it was oh, I don't know if he can shoot. I don't know if he's athletic enough. You know, I don't know if he's got enough juice. I don't know what this is. Yada, yada. like, guys, <laughs> you've got a you've got a, a Paolo Bancaro and a, a Jabari Smith, right? Who are that kind of those are the criticisms we're getting, <laughs> right? Mm. Like both of them create very similar, you know, threats in different <laughs> ways. But like, those are very valuable. <laughs> those are very valuable players, and even if they're not yeah. <laughs> uh, the guarantees uh, that like a Cade Cunningham was, the archetype is is important. And yeah, it turns mm-hmm. out that when you look to fill some of the needs the Pistons have, you're gonna look and and find that those top. Uh, guys are top guys because they fill these archetypes and they check multiple boxes. Yep. All right. I cannot wait to just get here for the draft <laughs> to kind of get. The I end just of this. I just need next Tuesday to be gone. I just yep. I just need it to be over. That too. It is know. your pick, sir. <sighs> All right. I think we're starting to get into kind of the nitty gritty here. How many more do you got to go? Uh, on one, two, three, four, five, six. I have seven on the board, Jesus if necessary. Christ, I don't have seven. <laughs> Um, I did not make enough of these. That's fine. Uh, to go around. I'm trying to think of what I want to do next, because I kind of have a bunch of a jumble here. Um, I am going to go next, and this is not really a giant need, but, <laughs> damn it, why did I, I let myself into this one? I would like to see the Pistons go get a slasher, because I feel like we need a lot of other things, and that's kind of what I'm left on my board here. Um, get someone who can play a little bit Honestly, this kind of plays into what you were saying last. You wanted someone who uh, can be like the wing you know, ball handler in a pick and roll. I just want a guy who can kind of make cuts off ball and be a guy that comes off the bench. You just want the Jeremy Similar replacement. To, yeah, Jeremy replacement, bigger homie, like something in that range is kind of where I guess was what was on the list. Because I have, <laughs> I have Slasher, big, big energy as homie, and then like Jeremy, who I, I don't... He slashes, but he doesn't do it as much as I'd like him to do. Which he's too good, I feel like, to be put in that role as well. Well, so. that's, I mean, that's that's my biggest critique of Jeremy is, like, there's a lot of hesit- hesitancy in his game where he just, like, isn't reading the moment quite right. Yeah. No, I, I think that just generally, like, that we're, we're in this, this group here, these last three picks, where it's all about, you know, finding a wing who can generate you something, uh, whatever that mm-hmm. something is. Uh, I'm going to go... Yeah. In a slightly different rate, uh, area here for mine, and say that I want a short roll threat, short roll uh, playmaking. Ideally, this is like the same guy that was your your uh, you know uh, dribble handoff operator, and maybe your pop threat, right? So ideally, it's all coming from the same guy. 
you know, but I would like somebody who can at least be, do what Kelly Olynyk is doing as a short role playmaker, if not better, because uh, it obviously just opens up so many more options offensively. Yeah. Okay. All right. We got what? You're gonna give me one more pick? Come on. You you get you got you got more than tank. I know you do. Uh, all right. So the next one I'm gonna go with, which I don't think is a, a big need, but something else that I could see always helping a team, which is a big guard defender, someone who can guard point guard a little bit, or guard a little bit of point guard, mainly shooting guard, and then help out in the wings as well. This is someone who can help. You know. Similar to my like secondary ball handler, he's someone who can come in and play alongside a Cade or a Killian or potentially both of them, um, and just kind of help you know, take the ball handling the other team. Your, your jumbo point of attack defender, your Derek Whites, your Marcus Smarts, your Drew Holidays. Yep, exactly. Someone who can take the biggest uh, matchup from a guard perspective in the game, and just make it a little bit easier for everyone else around them. But yeah, Marcus Smart was the exact person I had in mind for this. Yep, that makes sense to me. Uh, all right, um, my next one, I'm going to go with uh, a chase defender. So somebody who can get over screens and tr and track a like opponent uh, movement shooter. I don't think it's really a skill that the Pistons have. Uh, Killian can be good at it sometimes. Uh, Frank can be good at it sometimes. Uh, I think it's just kind of a thing that the you just. It, how do I put it? It's one of those things where it's not a huge, like a high value thing in every game, but in those few games where you end up playing the guy who like actually does run off ball, if you don't have the guy who understands how to navigate screens and like trail that guy, you're just screwed, and you end mm -hmm. up like having to like over switch everything to compensate, and you end up giving up like eight threes in a game to a Duncan Robinson and losing a playoff game. Like, you, somebody yep. has to be able to do it on your team. Yep. No, 100%. That's always someone who's needed on a team. All right. I'm out. You're out. You're <laughs> out. All right. You can list off what you have left, and I can kind of I, I say this is what I think is most important. I have three or four left here. So, uh, lob threats, right? More lob threats. Yeah. Uh whether I mean, or not that's that Marvin Bagley, depends. whether that yeah. <laughs> lob threat comes uh, from the the uh, triple handoff guy, you know, if that guy's a, a you know DeAndre Ayton, right? That that just does everything. That's great. Lob threats, lob threats, lob threats, um, and because uh, you only have one really on the team still, right? Yeah. It's really <laughs> still just Bagley. Uh, the next yeah. thing, transition if passing. He's on the team. So yeah, real quick on that one. Yeah, no, yeah. I agree. If we if we don't resign Marvin Bagley, this becomes a little bit bigger of a need because we want to make sure that, you know, Caden Killian are having some fun in the game and have someone they can throw it up to. Uh, but yeah, that's, <laughs> I agree. Yeah. I believe that. Uh, so my next one here was transition passing, especially outlet passing. I don't think it's the strength of Stu or uh, Bagley. Uh, Kelly is another one, is here again, I think probably the best big man uh, on the mm -hmm. team at it. But just like somebody who can grab a rebound, maybe take a dribble or two and kick ahead, you know, just somebody who can who can jumpstart <coughs> your team a little bit. Uh, outlet passing, your Kevin Love outlet passing is just like super high valuable and fun, and just like makes the whole team feel better. I think. See that that's less to me like a team need or like I don't know what we're really trying to base this on like a, but that's just more of a trait that someone has. <laughs> is good outlet passing. I can't. 
I don't feel like that's a, a specific. See, I, I disagree thing. though because I, I think never I think that. like especially like if you if you're in your lineup that has Hamadou Diallo in it, like yeah. having the, uh, it's useful. Like, having Kelly Olynyk pair with Hamadou Diallo and be the big man who can like kick ahead and and like unleash that transition threat. Right, if you have a transition threat, but your bit your primary rebounder needs two seconds, three seconds to get the ball out of his hand, you don't have a transition threat. Right, because because everyone's I mean, already back. I agree 100% with, like, the need. Like, I 100% agree with, like, how important that is. I just don't see that as its own little archetype for me personally. Uh, so the last two I have, uh, a post-offense player. Um, I had that and just decided I don't want to actually use it. <laughs> see, the thing is, like, a lot of people are like, oh, post-offense is dead, right? But you need somebody who can punish switches. Right, you need somebody who can come in, and if you know if you're gonna face a switch everything team that's just putting, uh, you know, players on Kelly Linux because they expect Kelly to post all the time, right? Or they're just putting players, uh, you know, they're just switching out on Isaiah Stewart because they don't really think he's got the juice. You know, I think Isaiah actually is pretty good. Bagley is pretty good, but and that's why this is lower yeah. on the list. Is I think there's a decent amount of of switch mashing. But like you need somebody who can mash switches, and if you can then you know run some secondary offense through your post threat because they're drawing a double, even better. Um, yeah, I I think this definitely becomes more of a concern once again if we lose uh, Marvin. But I kind of had him and Kelly and even to a little bit Stu as someone who kind of had this a little bit in their locker where like you can try and switch on those guys, and if we get the ball down there before the double team, I think they can still do de- decently fine. So it wasn't. This was in my, like, range of things that, like, were archetypes that I just didn't think we needed. That's why it is <laughs> They're on my list, 16. but not the moment. Yeah. <laughs> pick 17, staying still shooting. Yeah. It's, 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 the, it's the last obvious thing, right? When in doubt, get somebody who can shoot threes. Fill, fill the roster little, with shooting threes. I, it's just, I think it's, not, it's not that high because, like, everyone shoots threes now. That's just oh, yeah. why it is. Like, it's really threes, easy no to find is. replacement level shooting. Uh, With that, fact, I feel like you're you're saying you're getting a forty percent three point shooter or something. And I mean, you're, if, you're you, like if, you're, if you're prioritizing it, sure. Like this is just like yeah. team need can shoot will pay. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's one of those things where like, uh, I I think it, it's so low for me because I think in order to be as bad a shooting team as the Pistons have been, you have to basically intentionally not be a good shooting team. Uh, mm. And it's one of those things where I'm like pretty sure that Troy Weaver was like, hmm, we must tank. Uh, I'm only bringing in people who shoot 35% or lower on threes. <laughs> like, that's <laughs> that's kind of the vibes you get. <laughs> um, yeah, I feel like that is always a need. It's obvious. Um, there was one big one that I feel like I'd, I just was like, yeah, we don't need that, which is primary ball handler. I think we're pretty... Set in stone on that, depending on what the future may bring. Was there anything you feel like you purposely left off the list? Anything I purposefully left off the list? Uh, I like guess, like, ah, I guess like a, a switch big, because uh, I think Isaiah Stewart fills that need uh, pretty fully. Yeah. Um, I guess I didn't put primary ball handler on there because I think they've got two point guards that we trust, you know, quite a bit. I want the I. I I, I want more primary ball handling or, or like more you know ball handling in general but like we discussed earlier I, I want it to come more from like a wing 
or or come from uh, in the in the form of like a Horford DHO operator than a true point. So mm-hmm. no, yeah. I'm sure I'm sure we're forgetting something like really 100%. obvious. Uh, you know, uh, uh, um, something that that probably should have gone like closer to like the ten to twelve range, like screen setting, just like really high level screen setting. Uh, I guess that I probably like goes with the, with the dribble handoff yeah. guy. Um, yeah. You know, just just more uh, better screen th- setting is is just always always a, a valuable yeah. thing. Um, that's also something that's... I put with like the like kind of similar to the uh, you know outlet big passer. Well, like it's it's just something that yeah that that should be something that's in the locker of uh, some of your guys that fills their it's it's. I mean, it's it's, it's like you bring in a Stephen Adams, right? Why do you bring a Stephen or like Zaza Pachulia, right? Better example, right? Zaza Pachulia existed <laughs> on this team and got legitimate minutes on this team because he's an elite screen setter, a nasty, dirty, terrible, terrible, dirty player, but an elite screen setter, and like that got him a job, and he was like legitimately valuable for what he provided in that in that way. So, um, mm-hmm. that may be the biggest thing we kind of glossed over because we I think we just kind of assumed it in the the dribble handoff uh the the short roll playmaking etc etc the pop threat you know it's yeah. all it's all tied up in there yep shall uh shall I go over the list uh in full just sure. to uh to, to run it out so the uh the first pick went to being lucky and the second pick <laughs> went to a rebrand and the first actual pick <laughs> Went to uh, rim pressure, uh, a pick and pop threat, um, wing stopper, movement shooting. Uh, fifth pick was a dribble handoff operator. Then weak side rim protection, drop defense. Uh, number eight was a secondary ball handler. Then wing pick and rolls, uh, and then slashing, short roll playmaking. Uh, at twelve, we have your jumbo point of attack defense, uh, and then a, a chase defender. Uh, lob threats, uh, transition and outlet passing, post offense, standing threes, and uh, at number eighteen, an additional primary ball handler. <laughs> you feel good about that? Anything that that uh, when I said it, you're like that's way too damn high, or way too damn low. Nah, not nothing. Nothing that sticks out too much. I feel like we got. For me, it's very much like a bell curve, and I think everything was kind of in the area that I expected it to be. So okay. All right, what else we got on the docket for today? Well, we want to hop into our prospect of the week. I guess we, we will. Wanna, we want to extend this pot a little bit longer. Hey, we got we through this in short 50 one. minutes. It's crazy. 45? Crazy. Who would have thought? Our, All right, our drafts so, normally go for two hours. <laughs> yeah, I know. It helped when we really got limited, especially for me towards the end. <laughs> I was think, putting things where it's like, ah, this is probably not, we probably don't need this, but why not? Sure. <laughs> Who's our who's our prospect of the week? The prospect of the week out of White Plains, New York, is Duke forward AJ Griffin. Look at this man so, Wikipediaing things. <laughs> so, AJ is someone who we talked about a little bit earlier um, in the year. He's someone that we have, I feel like, mentioned various times. Many times. A player that we we like. He he's very favorable uh, on our boards. Yeah. Um, so he is, weighs in six six, two twenty two. 
and he is every pound of that. Yeah, he, 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 he watching him play. He's a, he's a thick, built like a tree trunk. He's not quite Zion levels of, of like <laughs> thick, but no, he's that's unhealthy. <laughs> that's not thick. That's fat. Yeah. <laughs> Zion was a little just less in so his a own dude, little but like, that's fat. <laughs> Zion is in his own little like realm, but like, if you took pretty much this draft class back in time about 15 years everyone all the scouts would look at him and go that guy looks like a player yeah <laughs> that guy is big and strong and he is going to do things in the next level so um tell me a little bit about what aj griffin is as a basketball player so you're you're drafting him because the dude shoots the absolute shit out of the ball and it's mm-hmm. this is a, like a giant point of contention right because he look real weird when he shoot the shit out of that ball. Um, He's a fascinating scout because that's all you end up caring about. Defensively, there's all sorts of things we can talk about uh, in terms of him as a a dribble drive creator or, um, Mm -hmm. you know, all those things, or like a playmaker. We can talk about all that, but, like, the question is, how much do you trust the shot? Uh, And the answer is, I don't know. Like, I don't have that many problems with it. There's a lot of things that change from shot to shot. There's a lot of noise here. He just happens to have some of the most insane shooting touch that you just, like, ever are going to find. Dating well back into his high school days, he has been, like, a 45% three-point shooter on pretty reasonable volume. I mean, his per 36, uh, he shot 6.1 threes uh, this year at Duke. And that's pretty darn respectable. You're not going to find too many guys yeah. who aren't like pure shooters, um, you know, running off like floppy you're, you're sets that, you, that put yeah. that many up. Um, you know, he's got a very wide base, which is a little bit of a correction probably to what he shot in high school. Because in high school, he had like a really high, high release, um, like shooting like directly above his head almost. Um, and that was uh, the, the base is probably him trying to get a little more leg in the shot. One of the biggest things that gives me confidence is he shoots everything like on insanely perfect balance. Uh, hmm. He t- his feet change how wide they are all the time, uh, how how uh, where he lands changes all the time. But like he always lands comfortably, right? There's no falling over for AJ Griffin. There's no stumbling. There's no uh, like crazy leaning or anything like that. He goes up, he comes down, he's very on balance, right? Like, the same way that you see, like, Clay Thompson, right? Clay Thompson has that slightly wider stance. He just goes mm-hmm. up and comes down. He's always on balance. And, like, Clay Thompson is, like, the most perfect mechanically elite shooter you're ever going to see. Um, yep. Adrian Griffin is not that. He's, but, <laughs> it's hilarious that, that Clay is that when he plays next to Steph, who is the greatest shooter of all time. But if you watch them both shoot, and you, like, had to bet, like, who's going to make the next shot, you're probably saying Clay because his form is just... It's perfect. It's incredible. It's incredible. I mean, Steph. Steph is all about his touch and his his ability to like, like range things in is what makes Steph special, right? It's it's the it's the, the forms not not atypical, right? He doesn't have a weird form or anything, yeah. but like he shoots the ball really early, and there's some there's some interesting things about Steph's shot. <coughs> um, so, so to get us back on point yeah, here, yeah. you're saying that AJ Griffin is 
Clay Thompson's shooting mechanics with Steph's no, touch. No, 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 no. Continue. No, because he's not perfect. That's the thing. Like, he, <laughs> you can definitely improve his footwork, right? All, just by making it consistent, you can improve his footwork. He's got all sorts of little things going on in his release and gather and all this stuff. And the, the simple thing is, like, insane touch, right? Um, you see it a little bit in, like, he's only an 80, a 79%. Uh, let me let me not give him that last percent. He's only a seventy nine percent free throw shooter, which is like very solid. It's not yeah. elite, right? And that's because you uh, with the free throw shooting, you're going to see a few more of those little niggles pop up. Um, it affect the shot. So, to me, you're just saying this this is a dude who is an insane catch and shoot uh, three point shot maker. Has the range, by the way. Has has NBA range, and. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll figure out how to make that work, you know, at increasingly higher levels of volume and difficulty, and we'll figure the rest out. That is the biggest part of the pitch. Then you yeah. add on the fact that he looks like Jimmy Butler, and, like, yeah. you know, defensively, he has all sorts of things that you need to clean up, all sorts of reads. Um, he, he gambles in weird places, but also this is a guy, like, I've said this before, I think, probably on the pod, like three of the best closeouts I saw all year were A.J. Griffin flying into a closeout, chopping his feet, you know, right in front of somebody, getting his hand out, sprinting to a, to a swing pass, closing out to that perfectly. Like, when he engages and when you see some of the tools, like just the insane, like, core and, and lower body strength it takes to make these kind of, like, choppy step closeouts, when you see him do that, you're like, okay, the tools are there. Um, we'll yeah. figure we'll figure this out, but there's absolutely something here. You know, he's got the the strength to play big, right? He's he's six six, long arms, and the ability to absorb contact, all this stuff, all these tools. Um, whereas the yeah. big concern now is dribble driving. He is like shockingly slow looking for a guy as athletic <laughs> as he is. Um, and we have to talk yeah, about the injuries. Little, <laughs> he has a little Kyle Anderson, and when he like he drives, it's like it doesn't seem like he's going hundred percent. It's just uh, yeah. It, it looks, it, I mean, yeah. I mean, Kyle Anderson. Not to slow most level, but different. I mean, Kyle yeah. Anderson. It's very intentional, right? Everything is his pace <laughs> because he wants it that way. And he'll own... get there eventually. You know, wait your turn. Uh, you know, AJ <laughs> Griffin. I just love bringing up slow mo and everything. Yeah, AJ Griffin just like doesn't understand angles. He he just he his drives always are big looping drives. He has very poor shin angle, all this stuff, um, and you, and it's it's a big question mark. It's the big blemish on his on his mark right now because like he literally he can't attack certain closeouts. And a lot of people will be like, well, it's because his shot base is so weird. No, it's because when he takes off, like we talk about shin angle, right? How how acute does your does your foot and shin you know get uh, get how acute does your your uh, ankle get uh, as far as the angle goes when you like push off, right? The the closer mm-hmm. your knee gets to the ground, you know the more that force is going forward and the less force is going up as you push off the ground. He has terrible shin angle, really terrible. Uh, but what is a terrible shin angle for those of you like myself who might not know what a good or bad shin angle is? Uh, like. If you freeze frame like a Shea Gilchrist Alexander, or like an Allen Iverson takeoff, right, or or like you'll see that like or Hamadou Diallo, Frank Jackson when he's in the middle of these of his uh, 
like his scissor cuts, right? <laughs> you really trying to think it's straight. Well, but like all these guys <laughs> we went are... from AI to Frank Jackson. <laughs> but like the they're both elite first step guys, right? Frank Jackson's first True. step is disgusting. He doesn't have the ball handling to unleash it, but his his you know as an athlete he's awesome. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and you'll see, like if you if you were to draw a flat line along the ground along their foot and like another line along their shin angle, they'll get down like below like. 30 degrees and Adrian Griffin so will be at like low. 50 okay you know yeah. like it's it, it, it's really bad um and so the one of the big questions for AJ will be how fixable is that right yeah. uh the I, I can't say that it's the root cause but certainly a big factor is that he had some major knee and, and ankle injuries heading into uh college he had a big mm-hmm. uh ACL injury uh spent uh, that was his junior year of high school. Didn't play his senior year of high school. Just sat and trained with his father, who's uh, I believe it's the Raptors. His dad is a coach on um, Adrian Griffin Senior. Um, yeah. So he just like went and trained with his dad, and um, you know that was how he recovered from his ACL. And then he gets to Duke, and he has I believe it was an ankle sprain kind of thing that took him out early and took him out of training camp, and like he's lost two years, two and a half years, you know, especially including, like, pandemic stuff, he's lost a lot of basketball. And that includes mm-hmm. a major injury. So how much of this, you know, shin angle and poor driving is him recovering from an injury, maybe not wanting to push himself entirely, you know, not yeah. being in a context at Duke where it was really asked of him, or like, it was, certainly wasn't a structured thing that he was driving a lot. How much is that? How much is he's lost burst right and how much is he's lost um or or how much of it is just like he mechanically never had this to begin with i didn't see enough of his high school stuff to know what he started with um i'll say he definitely like when he wants to unleash the hops he has them but (laughs) he doesn't unleash them as much as he did like his high school footage is a lot more athletic looking so it's a Mm -hmm. big question of What's this look like? Because coming out of high school, if he'd never had the knee injuries, Adrian Griffin was like a top five prospect, right? Yeah. He was a, he was a big big deal. Um, so so it's a big question of okay, can we train him to be faster? Can we train, you know, can we get him his legs firing quicker so he's driving quicker? Can we get him, you know, to be more flexible? I think he's got good hip flexibility when he slides, but can we get him, you know, can we get his ankle and calf flexibility and knee flexibility there? A lot of questions, but <laughs> if you get him to be like an okay driver, you teach him some of like the Jalen Brunson tricks, but he's like six six and gigantic and he's playing off these jump stops, <laughs> yeah. right? Like that's what Jimmy Butler does, right? Jimmy Butler's yep. like plays off all these herky jerky things and then he just puts a shoulder into you and finishes at the rim. Can you teach AJ Griffin that? Yep. Right? If you th- if you get through, you know, the combine and through medicals and you say, okay, you know what? We're not that worried about the knee. We think it's pretty good. We just think, like, our training staff needs, you know, two years to, like, get this guy mechanically where he needs to be, and then he's going to explode. Like, mm-hmm. suddenly A.J. Griffin is, like, a should be a top-five guy on your board. Yeah. I mean, I think he's pretty close to that right now regardless, but... He is for me. I have a lot him. of faith. He's, yep. like, I, 20th I as well. for some people. And I, yep. I, it's hard for me to be like, no, that's wrong, unless you put him 20th because you don't think the shooting is good, because then I think you're insane. Yeah, that's ridiculous. But, I mean, I, I feel like, 
for me, everything with Griffin that that is like the flaws that I see, I think are all things that could either possibly, obviously you talked about some of the, like the shenangle and that kind of thing, which I did, if I'm going to be honest, I didn't have a clue what the heck that was, <laughs> didn't, didn't know what that is at all. But when I look at him and I see the kind of, you know, he has a weird shot. He is a little bit uh, not aggressive at times. Like I see little things that I feel like are nitpicks being brought up a little bit more just because he did kind of play a little bit in Paolo's shadow at Duke. Like he wasn't, like I think when everyone watched Duke, they thought of Paolo first. A little, they like obviously saw Mark Williams. Then like AJ Griffin was sometimes even third on that list. So I think that's... I think the perception of AJ Griffin is Often bringing him forth, down more right? than Wendell the Moore certainly took a yeah. lot of touches. Mm-hmm. So I think kind of this perception of him is kind of weighing down his draft stock more than uh, you know what he's actually done. And personally, I like, I I think especially with today's uh, you know advantages in the NBA today, I I love what AJ Griffin can be. And if and, well, and if I, you miss I, out on the top three, I think you're still getting a good. A great prospect potentially in him. I think the the other thing that maybe I, I gloss over, like he's not your like dribble drive creator in terms of a playmaker no. either, right? That's not his. He's no. not your like the the difference between him and a Jimmy Butler, right? Is that he's not going to get you six assists a game. Certainly not right now, right? He's going to get you two, just doing normal wing stuff, but it's probably going to come yeah. with you know a turnover and a half. To, to accompany it. He's not... I mean, to be fair, <laughs> neither was Jimmy Butler early in his career. <laughs> no, no, that's that's fair. But, like, Jimmy is an all-time great player development story, um, to yeah. be fair to Jimmy Butler. And, um, yeah, and Jimmy was also picked at, like, 30. Like 30, so... Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, um, much different scenario. So, yeah. so you're talking about a guy who's, like, processing isn't elite and who's... Uh, um, you know, handle like he has a, an interesting like street volley handle that he like really loves to use his handle to get into his pull up shots. Uh, doesn't really drive with it, right? Because he's got all these these driving angles uh, that we that we talked about, and like defensively, right? Really high highs, a lot of tools, a lot of like processing issues. So again, very much like a project, maybe in a yeah. way that wasn't very expected much. if you if you were. You know, time traveling from 2019 to now, you probably didn't think he'd be this much of a project coming into the league. But very much a guy that like like I'm not expecting to have Donovan Mitchell's rookie year, right? I'm hoping he has, you know, a really nice third season. Yeah, well, I don't think there are many people that are <laughs> going to have Donovan Mitchell's rookie year. Um, where do you see him fitting in if he does get drafted by the Pistons? Oh, I bringing him off the bench as like your third guard he's taking all of frank jackson's minutes immediately <laughs> nope right, I'm, br- I'm bringing him on slow i'm bring- i'm putting him in the g league a lot you know i'm i'm just trying to work with him mechanically i'm not worried too much about getting him like nba minutes right now yeah long term do you see him fitting alongside kind of the the cornerstone in cade yeah, i think he could play the three if if killian develops i think he could be your long-term two if if uh you know, you decide that Killian and Cade need to be split, or if Killian doesn't come along, you know he can play. Uh, I I think he's as equipped as Sadiq is to play the four, even. Yeah. Um, I must say, I think I think him and Sadiq could be a pretty good like three four tandem. Yeah, there's as well, there's, so. there's quite a bit of overlap there. I don't I don't love them as three and four, especially given the Pistons big man situation. Right, you're asking a lot, but like he has tools think, to do that. Certainly in some forty five minutes talking about that. <laughs> right. So. We, you, yeah. 
Yeah, he's he, he's pretty flexible as long as you don't want him to be your primary creator, right? As long as you're willing to just understand that he's like your third option, a guy who's just shooting shots right now. Like, you can plug him pretty much anywhere. Mm-hmm. What do you think is kind of the best fit? Right now, currently, he's going seventh <laughs> to the Kings. Um, Bad fit. On Tankathon. Bad vibes. Bad <laughs> There's fit. There's no good fit for the Kings. The, so you're probably... You, you, I don't know who you'd even throw there, honestly. Is there anyone in that range, though? Like, Trailblazers, Pacers, Thunder, even. Okay, so... Pelicans through Lakers? <laughs> uh, the Pelicans and the Spurs are 8 and 9 on Tankathon. Mm-hmm. Both of them have elite shooting coaches. Okay? Yeah, true. Both of them have very great shooting coaches. He fits both of them to a T, I think. Like, he just he just plugs holes. Uh, he'd be great with both of them. I don't love the Trailblazers fit. I just think, like, they'd want too much out of him too fast. Um, yeah. Certainly not well, the I mean, Kings fit. it depends fit. on what they want the to do. The Kings fit is horrifying. Uh, Kings are never the answer. You know, the Pacers fit. I don't. I think they want somebody a little more dynamic on the ball right now. Uh, but, yeah, the, the Pels and Spurs would make a lot of sense. I don't know that yep, uh, no. the Wizards need him. That 10, that, that feels like a weird fit. Yes. The Wizards, I don't know what the fuck the Wizards need. <laughs> yeah. It's hard to tell with them. Uh, they have everything. Guard play. Like, more on-ball guard play, well, they, I would they say. Need a, they need a point guard is the real answer, right. but yeah. Right, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I agree. Spurs were the one in this range that I looked at first, and I'm like, get him with Pop and just the rest of that weird team that they have going on there, and I'm all he's, about it. He's so. such a Spurs player. He would be, he yep. would be such a Spurs player. Uh, oh, they want Ben Matherin to go there too. I don't know. I don't know big, who I want there. Big Kawhi vibes there, where it's just like, oh yeah, we'll just like yeah. clean up all the little things. Chip England will have his way with him, and Pop will teach him how to play defense, and then he just comes out of here as this like hulking guy that like gives you like twenty two, <laughs> like six and two every night while being like an all defense team candidate. Like there, there's there's an outcome there that definitely clicks. Yep. All right, continuing on the list. I feel like we already talked about this a lot, but what path to success uh, does AJ Griffin have? Yeah, we we talk like right. He he yeah, stay he yeah. stays shooting. Uh, he he unlocks the defensive tools, and you figure out yep. the movement skills, uh, which like that is a big leap. I, I I gotta I gotta reiterate that the movement skills yeah. thing is like a non-trivial thing. I think he's got great tools, which makes it a little easier. Like I don't think he's like some insanely stiff athlete or anything, but like holy, you are retraining somebody how to run really is is what this this is going to take it's it's not a trivial thing and that's what that's the next question is what holds guys back and like that's the thing yeah. right this is a big hurdle for him uh you know pro- he'll he'll probably stick around the league regardless just cuz he can shoot uh, i think that's probably mm-hmm. going to be settled but like the difference between Ben McLemore's career and Jimmy Butler's is you know a Low really blow. really massive you know task in retraining this guy and how to move and and excel in in space low blow he's an nba player right like so i know it's just you really took two of my two of the players i really like and put one up here and one down there that was kind of rude that's where he belongs (laughs) yeah 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 no stanley johnson jokes out of you Who's the top end of your... This, to take the same comparison, who's the top end of your Stanley Johnson? Kawhi. <laughs> okay. I guess. Uh, I would have put Paul George technically. No, <laughs> no, no, no. Paul George is like a movement sh- shooter. Like, 
I, I know Stanley Johnson can't shoot at all. Like but. I guess pro- less Kawhi, more more Butler, really for Stanley, right? You were always hoping that it was I the point forward that. stuff. You know that the shoot that the shot would come around just enough. You know, never that he'd be like a forty-five percent shooter or anything insane, but like enough, yeah. and uh, you know enough playmaking, and then just a dude who'd body the shit out of anybody defensively. That's what you were hoping for. All right, I think we've got enough. Stan- I, <laughs> when you when we hit the Stanley Johnson talk, you know we're about done here. Number seven. About time to wrap it up. <laughs> Hopefully, AJ Griffin could turn into a better version of Stanley Johnson. <laughs> A lot better, yes, please. Yeah, a a lot better. Um, I don't know. Luckily, one of them shoots like a legit forty-five percent on high volume. So (laughs) yeah, yeah, a little bit different between the two. I don't know. For me personally, like, I would if we ended up at the number four pick, and we were talking before the pod about trading down out of it. If we ended up at the four pick and took AJ Griffin there, I wouldn't be upset. I would. Probably, like I, I would need to like have a lot of confidence in the the medical scans for that. Yeah. Like I, I, I would, mean, it, it, the medicals are definitely the biggest thing holding that up. If there are red flags there, then yeah, he drops. But, but it, it's a big of, gamble, and I love in AJ terms Griffin. of just straight talent and just going swinging for the fences. Like I think if you're gonna, I, like sw- I think if you're swinging for the fences that high, you're gonna take Shaden Sharp over him. Yeah, I, I don't know what Shaden Sharp is, so. <laughs> I don't think anybody like knows, but like, there's <laughs> the there's thing. a lot more. Once the combine comes there. around, we, we might have a little bit better feel for Shaden Sharp, but I guarantee you I, this: I don't know how to... if Shaden Sharp plays in summer league and like doesn't just like absolutely bust out, every single team is gonna have the fan base that's like, "Holy shit! Why did we not draft Shaden Sharp? Because he's gonna eat." <laughs> and as we know, the summer league is indicative of how NBA. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Any last things to plug before we head out? No, I think uh, we'll try for either a Tuesday or Wednesday pod next week for the uh, for the lottery. We'll see how that goes, and uh, then we'll probably do the uh, the the big board draft reaction to this list. So uh, yep. that'll be. I, I can say Tuesday, Tuesday or Wednesday, we'll get a pod done. Yeah, the, set it in stone. I don't know if that pod. We'll, we'll see what happens that pod if we're uh, if we're uh, sober and sane enough to. Uh, yeah, and that's the thing. It's like if it goes bad. <laughs> <laughs> if it goes bad for the Pistons and we're picking like seven, yeah, so, uh, there will so, not be a pod for probably draft the big board pod based off this list will come out. Uh, until yeah. then, I make no promises. Yeah, <laughs> other, uh, other than that, that I, think, I make no promises. Now that I think about it, maybe uh, <laughs> maybe I won't guarantee to a Tuesday the, Wednesday. We'll the, see. The, how the, the Tuesday we'll Wednesday the goes. might be eighteen minutes long and just full of weeping. We don't know. <laughs> We could have a funeral service for the Pistons' hopes and dreams. <laughs> yeah. In the meantime, uh, thanks everybody for listening. We'll see you later. See you guys. Bye bye. Today's music was made by Blank and Kit. You can find a link to their music in the description.